I'm Chad Rothermans. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And welcome to No Clip Pocket, applied directly to the forehead. Today, we're going to be talking about Sally Face, which is a game that was developed by Portable Moose and was <laughs> released in 2016 on PC, mm-hmm. on Windows, and then 2019 on Mac, Linux, and Switch, or maybe 2016 PC, Mac, Linux, 2019 Switch. It's that it was released episodically from 2016 to 2019. As an episodic. It, and is on all of those platforms. Gotcha. Is and what that means. <laughs> 2019 presumably was the full game on Switch. Yeah. So I don't think that that version released episodically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got there. I mean, I didn't, but <laughs> what are you going to do? Uh, but first, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Uh, Sally Face is a uh, 2D point-and-click adventure game that is more... If you're familiar with the Noclip catalog and not any other v- games, more akin to a The Cat Lady style than a Grim Fandango style. Yeah, yeah, it's, like, simplified or streamlined to where you can control it just with, like, arrow keys mm-hmm. and, act- and an action button sort of thing. Yeah. And in my old age, with my declining cognitive ability, I'm a big fan of this style of adventure game because it cuts down on a lot of the things that most people would agree are bullshit. <laughs> like pixel hunting uh, which you physically cannot do in a game like this. So, mm-hmm. not that there aren't elements of it, but like it is, it is much less pronounced. Yeah, I mean, and you could make the argument that it kind of makes the genre like less unique, but I'm I also prefer it. Yeah. It's like the simplified. <laughs> yeah, like let's not bother with like clicking on a bunch of little things that you didn't realize you could click on etc cetera, etc cetera. <laughs> yeah no that that is true and i'll give you credit that that is uh it is something that sort of like homogenizes it a bit but i think it also makes it less uh gatekeepy isn't the right word like niche it's more accessible lower barrier to entry yeah it's a lot easier to play this kind of a game um but we probably didn't come here to talk too much about the adventure game mechanics of this. No. Uh, th- this is a light horror sort of coming-of-age style-ish hand-drawn adventure game. Yeah, I, you already compared it to the Cat Lady, and it, it, it feels a little similar in the sense that it's like psychological, and yeah, it kind of leans towards like uh presenting itself through like a horror lens Mm -hmm. uh less than it is like a straight up horror game or anything yeah there are definitely elements of this game that are horror there are some elements of the game that are horrible uh and i don't mean that in a quality way like just like really detestable shit that occurs Mm -hmm. but for the most part the game is is not like even in the first episode of the game first chapter there is a ghost that you can meet and your character is very chill about ghosts overall uh and and talks to them and uses them sort of like as a uh they're like treated as other characters and not as a source of fear 
uh, in this game. So while it has elements of a traditional horror, it treats them in a really different way. And I think that's part of what made us sort of like like the game when it came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, came out when we played. When it. we played. Yeah. It. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so I think like yeah, like the tone and the aesthetic are a good place to start talking about this because um, I remember you heard about this game through like a recommendation from a friend, mm-hmm. and I had never heard of it, so we just decided to play it. And uh, upon booting it up, I found it pretty off-putting at first. Yeah, it felt a little try-hard, uh, or like uh, like we've used the phrase "edge lord" before. Sure. Has. Uh, it, it it felt like it was made by that like angry nerdy kid in high school that you knew um not to be mean or anything but <laughs> we all know that type uh yeah and just like i don't know i felt like uh someone trying to like lash out and kind of be weird and counterculture uh just for the sake of it mm-hmm. kind of a thing but uh it quickly kind of settled in and I was picking up what it was putting down, and I think it works pretty well, actually, and creates like a really unique uh, product. Yeah, it definitely has that sort of like gothy uh, invader sim, Johnny the homicidal maniac e kind of aesthetic to yeah, it. It's got a little bit of Ren and Stimpy, mm-hmm. but a lot of it comes from the game's art style and like its audio choice. It's I have a very difficult time describing the music in this game. Everything in this game, from the art to the game design to the actual programming and the music, came from a single dude. Which is cool. And I'm a big fan of, of like, independent projects like that. Um, but what you get with that, while you do get, like, a nice focus of vision of what the game wants to be, you are working with the individual strengths and weaknesses in a lot of ways, and, like, Obviously, the dude is not a, like, classically trained painter. Like, this is digital art that was made crudely and partially intentionally, for sure, uh, but also just, like, has a a sort of an edge to it of being, like, a kind of jittery, like, drawing and animation style. Like, all the frames are very obvious and everything Mm -hmm. i don't know it's it it feels a little bit crude and when you first boot it up it feels weird and off-putting like you said and the further that you go into it the more it sort of like coalesces i feel like yeah i agree 100 percent um yeah and it does if it it, it, at first yeah it feels really handcrafted Mm -hmm. in that way like you can really feel like the hand that made it there um but yeah, yeah, at the beginning, yeah, like you said, it does feel crude and maybe it's kind of bad even. Um, but as it goes on, yeah, like especially once you get to the fifth chapter and there's like a bunch of different art styles, like you see that it's, oh no, those were all in- very intentional choices to like make it look the way it did. But it, it does take it a, a minute to sink in, you know, yeah. to start working as intended. Yeah, because it does, especially with the opening, like because the opening sequence is... Uh, is very the cat lady. It is like a out of body experience, like dream logic, because it is a dream in this particular instance. Mm-hmm. Um, that has like a talking dog, and you have to find the key to a door in a very adventure game way, and then that's mashed up against this like you're going to a funeral, and it does feel like it's going to be 
kind of an edgelord production. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it ends up sort of, it, it, it overcomes that very quickly. And I feel like part of it is intentional and then part of it isn't. Sure, and sure. that's like the charming thing. It's like a, it's like a B movie, but like one that's competently made but still has those little unself-aware moments of sort of extravagance. It's not 100% there. Right. Which, yeah, makes it interesting. Probably one of the things that is notable that that cements this conversation, if you're not somebody who's played the game or looked at the art, or probably the art for this episode, Mm -hmm. uh, the character that you play in this game is a, a... like a teen like a teenage boy i mm-hmm. think he's like 15 for most of the game and then like there are some time skips yeah uh who is who has a prosthetic face which is fashioned in as like a crude doll's face which has leather straps that go around the back of his head mm-hmm. uh and he has hair that is dyed blue and tied back in pink pigtails hence sally face where he's like adopted like a reclaimed term. Yeah, the the name that he was given is like an because his name is something. Saul. Yeah, Saul Fisher. Is it Saul? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Which I don't know if that's short for like Solomon or something. But... Right. Because it is. It's spelled S A L, which is like a valid spelling. Um, but yeah, it could be like a, a number of things that yeah. get shortened to that. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, in addition to taking the name, he's also adopted this sort of like more feminine aesthetic. Uh, as as like his way of taking the the name back, but when you don't know any of this information, it really feels like like the opening of the game. He's just wearing like bandages and is bleeding, mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a really like you feel like the character is already part of that edgy aesthetic. Yeah, it, it feels very much like it was made by a kid who would have carried around like a replica Death Note with them in high school. <laughs> And written down all the names of the people they don't like in it. Mm-hmm. Shots fired. Uh, pens, <laughs> pens fired. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, Saul is a good. I, I think a very interesting part of it because it. This game feels very personal in a lot of ways. In the way that like small indie projects made by one person often do. Yeah. Um, but like it just feels so specific to me. Like the idea of like a per- person with a prosthetic face. And, like, going by, yeah, Sally Face, like, going by that uh, nickname. Mm-hmm. It just, it feels like it is inspired by real life in a way that, like, not all fiction does. Like, just, like, I don't know, just encountering that, it just, you can almost feel the personal experience, like, oozing out of it. I don't sure. know if any of that's true. I just, I would be surprised if he didn't know somebody who had to wear a prosthetic over their face or something. Right. Something. So I honestly, and this is now two episodes in a row and I've had to insist Uh that I'm not a medical professional. (laughs) I don't know to this moment if a prosthetic face is a real thing that you can get. Me neither, but I'm sure there's like some kind of like medical mask or something like that. Yeah. It does feel like an exaggerated sort of form of, it's just anything that somebody could have that like mars their appearance mm-hmm. uh and to me that yeah that does make sense i feel like there's a lot uh in this game that the developer tried to tackle and i think we see sort of a similar i don't want to say problem because i don't think it necessarily works against either of these games 
but a certain recurring uh like episodic game issue between this and like kentucky route zero where it feels like the game changes its focus a bit as time goes on and the first few things in the game are very much they feel like that personal narrative like of sally and how like this is somebody who people might not take seriously upon first glance but is a good person and tries to do his best at all times uh and then later into the game you get uh there's a lot of sort of there's like this inclusive inclusiveness narrative about like him and his friends and they're like this is where it becomes kind of a a uh coming of age story where they all do like the kid team mm-hmm. thing take down the conspiracy yeah like but... 80s <laughs> uh movie yeah it's thing. spielbergian yeah uh and then later it goes completely ape shit and there is like a the the cult narrative really gets fleshed out and it feels like that is more to the g- overall game narrative than it is to the themes that the game was presenting in the first couple episodes yeah like my theory on it is that because it was released episodically like you can feel the budget go up mm. um yeah because like the first two chapters it's mostly just in the apartments yeah um and then it starts to um add in a lot of additional stuff as it goes especially once you hit part three and yeah i feel like it does it is kind of unfortunate like i know obviously it's an indie project and um he didn't have the money when he started you know but it would have been nice to have that spread out a little bit more over the whole game so it was a little bit more even yeah i agree it would have felt more complete especially nowadays like your real only option at this point uh, unless you want to be weird and, like, just play episode one and then wait three months, uh, is to play the whole game as, like, a single experience. Mm-hmm. So you get the sped-up timeline of everything, and, and the game seems to change a lot more drastically than it would have if there had been time in between. Uh, not that it's a big deal. It's yeah. just, like, it's it's noticeable in the way that the game tells its story. For sure. Uh, so, do you do you have any like, as far as like the like the point and click style like adventure game, uh, puzzles slash mechanics? Or is there anything that stands out to you as like a puzzle you liked, or like a set piece, or any kind of interesting part of the game that stands out in your memory? I really hate to to say it because I feel like I've said it a lot recently, mm-hmm. but the the puzzles in this game don't do a lot for me. Uh, no, I agree. Yeah, it's kind of like, there are some, like, optional puzzles that I think are neat, and I think maybe one of the better mechanics in the game, or better things in the game mechanically, Mm -hmm. uh, are the inclusion of the, what is it called, the Gear Boy? Oh, the Super Gear Boy? Yeah, the Super Gear Boy games that are just, like reskinned yeah. versions of old arcade games mm-hmm. uh i i really like that be specifically like not because the games themselves are extremely fun to play they're like baseline okay to play uh but they do that thing that people do sometimes where they are a recontextualized telling of the same story of the main game in this case the backstory of a couple of the characters mm-hmm. and it's just interesting to see that it told in different art style with different sets of mechanics. Like it, it's really cool. And I had fun doing them. So, uh, 
I think that stands out a lot. You know, I agree. Like, yeah, well, some of like the yeah, as you call it out, like the extra stuff, or like the uh, like the hidden uh, puzzles, like getting the tapes and yeah. uh, the little puzzle boxes and stuff is cool. But um, I, no, I was thinking about this while I was making notes, and I think the reason uh, the puzzles don't really stand out or feel like they do anything for you is because this game mainly feels like it's concerned with like del- delivering a narrative. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't really feel like it wants to, like, have, like, fleshed out puzzle mechanics. Um, and, yeah, like, the Super Gear Boy and the guitar are the ones that stand out, and those feel very, like, just kind of glued on. Yeah. And not like they're, like, a core of, like, what the game is. Yeah, like, we want to talk about the mechanics of this game as a point-and-click adventure game. But this is also a point-and-click adventure game that has a boss fight in it. Mm -hmm. Like, there are interesting things here that are interesting a lot just because of the novelty of it. Yeah. And the boss fight is like a... Well, there's multiple. Well, You got one in the fourth and the fifth chapter. You're right. Uh, But the one with the guitar, uh, where you have to, or like... Verse, I don't know what he's called in the game. The the transformed version the of big the tentacles. Yeah, of the superintendent guy. Yeah. Uh you play the fucking guitar by like it's like telephone like a rotary thing. <laughs> yeah, where you, you have different like eldritch road. symbols. <laughs> so you do just kinda have to memorize where the symbols are in order to do well with it. But it ends up playing, like, kind of a weird rhythm game, and, like, I dug it. Like, I thought it was cool. It's not deep, and it's not, like, uh, like challenging, I guess, in the way that, like, a, you would think a boss fight is. It's just, like, do a totally different mechanical thing for a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's interesting, and I'm, I'm, I like that he went out of his way to do something like that, because it's always cool when you're working with something so small to branch out in a totally different direction, just as like a, uh, an aside. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's interesting. Yeah. And it, it really leans into that, um, in a couple of different ways with the fifth chapter. Mm -hmm. It does, uh, (laughs) a number of different things. You have a bunch of different art styles. It goes through, uh, more indie developers should do weird claymation stuff. (laughs) Um, there is like a small section of like a, little claymation area you walk around through that's very cool yeah shout outs uh, to jack king spooner and Dujana just yep. for he did a whole game that way yep um but yeah it 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 it, it does has like a little like top down thing where you're also once again shooting like air uh waves out of the guitar and shooting at the tentacles again and you have like the ghost arm that Ash gets in, like, the real world, and you have wizard ghost Larry flying around. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the f- the third episode, I think it is, the baloney incident, Yeah, uh, starts with a segment where you're a stick figure, like, walking around through an environment, like, on, like, a sheet of notebook paper. Mm-hmm. It's one of the more memorable parts of the game to me, and I think it's a good, like, uh, touchstone for, like, thinking about the whole game is it does have this kind of feel of, like, you sitting at your desk daydreaming, like, oh, if I made a game, like, what's all the stuff I would do? Um, and it goes to that, like, guitar mechanic. It, it it has this kind of, like, charm 
in like this quality to it where he's like he just thought that was cool so he put it in right um yeah yeah like that kind of like yeah that personal indie project thing where he just kind of did what he wanted and like there is an appeal to that yeah and also it's like just impressive to some extent like that he was able to put this stuff in like working by himself like i'm sure scouring the internet for like bits and pieces of what code you need to like make everything work but the fact that we're at a point where one dude can sit down and not only create all of the art assets and the music and write the story and all that shit but also it's like i'm just gonna put in a 3d part and like it's a little janky and weird but you do walk around in 3d in this predominantly 2d game uh and it's just it's cool it's cool both that the tools are available to somebody and also just the fact that he was able to stuff all this stuff into this game and have it feel like the same game mm-hmm. it's good stuff I'm, it's unfortunate that what you do in the 3d part is solve the same weird pillar puzzle but yeah you know yeah, yeah like the fifth i know i just talked about how i thought it was a cool good thing like all the different <laughs> art styles but I do wish that they were a little bit more motivated. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes me think of, uh, like, being in an art class. And uh, this actually happened to me in real life. It's a specific example. But uh, we were doing a project, and we were going around. Uh, and it was based on, like, different textures. It was, like, a, like a general, like, art 201 or whatever, studio art class. Um, and it was just basically yeah, using different textures in a, in like a piece. And we were going around the class, like talking about our ideas about what we wanted to do after we learned like some techniques and stuff. And some kid was like, Oh, I was thinking about like drawing like a knight and like using like the texture for like the chain mail or whatever. And then the teacher like unnecessarily like grilled him and was <laughs> like, yeah, but like, what's your point? Like, what's your idea? You know what I mean? And then I'm sitting there, like, I had, like, a what I thought was a dumb idea, but, like, I had, like, an explanation for, like, what I wanted to do with it, and so he thought it was awesome. <laughs> so I guess, like, a tip for for people making art, your art doesn't have to, like, be about, like, something really important, but as long as you have an idea behind it, uh, you know, that's always preferable, and you don't want to do something just because you think it's cool. And <laughs> the parts in this with the different art styles feel... Like, I want to put in a bunch of different art styles because I think it would be cool. Mm. Uh, and also a tip for any art teachers out there. Don't yell at some guy for wanting well, to draw a cool night. He didn't yell at him, Don't... but he criticized him. <laughs> that art teacher was me. He was like, I don't like fantasy. You get the fuck out of here. Uh, but yeah, that's, I mean, and that is essentially the kind of all over the place mechanical discussion i feel yeah it's got it's got a little bit of a lot of things in it and uh while they don't necessarily all fit together it is cool to see as much variety as you do Mm -hmm. and i want to shout out the like uh the the beelzebub section and the parts that take place in the afterlife because they are very visually interesting uh and also just on visuals this whole game is extremely colorful in a way that you don't expect necessarily from a uh a game that is like set in the horror genre mm-hmm. yeah i i watched uh like a q a thing that the developer did 
just this morning and he talked about like different like visual inspirations um and like a lot of people who are in the ballpark of our age uh he talked about like 90s cartoons and how he specifically called out like hey arnold ren and stimpy rocco's modern life Mm -hmm. and like you can feel a lot of that in in this game yeah rocco also getting like a direct shout out as Mm -hmm. well there's like some reference to it uh so and yeah, yeah, it does have like a like a '90s cartoon feel, like one that was a little bit, probably a little bit too gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like something in the the cow and chicken range. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, I actually I didn't really consider that. No, uh, I hadn't either. Yeah. but it made a lot of sense. Like especially like Hey Arnold, and how like the first chapter is like you going around like an apartment complex and meeting all the weird characters mm-hmm. felt very hey arnold to me it's got a very garbage pale kids <laughs> yeah, by of. way of hey arnold yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is the perfect meets 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 of this game mm-hmm. cat lady meets garbage pale kids meets hey arnold uh Especially considering this is one of those games that just, like, will put a pun in the background. Mm-hmm. Like, like Beetlejuice. Yeah. It has, like, a carton of juice with Beetle from Zelda on it. Also, isn't it, isn't it uh, what is it? Is it Twine Twine Parks? Oh, yeah, there's a bunch of posters mm-hmm. yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, there's a ton of little little jokes like that, which is, at this point, I think a genre of indie game. <laughs> yeah. Where like, this is the game that acknowledges all of its inspirations. Yeah, like, I feel like it's done fairly tastefully here. Like, I always go back to the example of um, the reference town in Guacamelee that oh, just right. has, like, obvious visual references plastered all over it. And it's like, that's the bad way to do it, I think. Like, you just put it in the background or make make it a little joke and don't just be like, remember this thing you like? Right. Here it is. I would say the bad Being way of doing it. a little cheeky with it. Yeah. yeah. The bad way of doing it is Dark Souls 3, but... Had to shoehorn in the Dark Souls reference. <laughs> That's self-reference. That's a whole different ball. That is, yeah, it is true, yeah. Uh, so you called out um, the afterlife Beelzebub part yeah. as being one that you thought was especially cool, which I agree with. Uh, my my big thing section of the game that I dislike on the other side of it is the part where you explore the cult dungeon for the first time. Uh-huh. And I think you're walking around as both Sal and Larry. Mm-hmm. And you have to just kind of wander around, and there's, like, some unclear, um, like, Lost Woods-style puzzles, because, like, it's represented on a 2D plane with backgrounds that look, like... Nearly identical. Nearly identical. <laughs> so it's it's very difficult to work your way through that or unnecessarily difficult yeah i think a lot of the problem i mean there's a number of problems with that section but a lot of the problem is that it doesn't immediately tell you that you're in a lost woods Mm -hmm. so So you it takes you a while to even notice yeah and then once you notice you don't know if you've done where the point of the you don't know where the starting point exactly yeah so you're like I could be in room two, and now every time I go to room two, I think I've restarted the puzzle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is a big, shitty garbage fire that I don't like yeah. either. So. And also it ends with a puzzle that is just like, I don't even, I can't even explain. It just feels uh, like, there's like trial a hid- and error. Like a hidden room. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that part's a little questionable. Yeah. And you just kind of walk back and forth and hope that that you are reading the puzzle correctly. Mm-hmm. I like it, it's in the game like yeah, five like, times. Yeah, like we played this together, and luckily we had two sets of eyes on it. Mm-hmm. If I was playing it by myself, I imagine that part would be even worse. <laughs> I mean, I just do what I always do with these puzzles, where just, I just look it up. I well, I, no, I just <laughs> pretend that I know. I'm like, oh, well, if I hit four, then one and three come up, and if I hit two, then yeah. one and five go down. And then I just walk back and forth until it just solves itself. <laughs> right. Brute force it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why those are such a fucking struggle point for me, but I guess he knew because he put it in the game like a lot of times. Yeah, I mean, I feel like those are just hard for everybody. It's not just a you thing. Like, I feel like there's a very specific type of person where their brain works like that. Mm-hmm. I bet, like, everyone listening is like, those are, like, the easiest puzzles. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> uh but yeah i don't know i feel like oh god did we we talked about yes the legend of zelda uh link's awakening mm-hmm. and how there's that color dungeon mm, yes in the dx version and one of the puzzles is just like hit the switches so that, that you get them all yeah down at the same time and it's such like a boring rote puzzle yeah and like a cool zone and that's kind of how i feel about this like you start getting into the cult narrative in this game and you're like oh fuck yeah like all this cool shit and yeah, like hidden cults under the fucking illuminati yeah. conspiracy plans it's great and then you get to it and it's like oh <laughs> I just do a Lost Woods, and then I step on some puzzle pieces, mm-hmm. and then it's just over. Uh, it Like, narratively still cool. Narratively is still a factor of the game. Mm-hmm. But the whole time you're there is just misery. And then you come back later, and there's a really misguided stealth section. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Those You were correct. Everything involving the cult. No, hideout is the worst part yeah and like you called it out earlier where um it feels like it shifts focus over the course of its uh episodes Mm. and it does i think i i feel like i like episodes one two and three the most and that's like before it shifts to the cult narrative sure like it it feels like yeah like it just like it it shifts focus in a way that like it could have been done a little bit more smooth or integrated a little bit better yeah like it's trying really hard to be like the big escalation. Yeah, and it, I mean, I don't want to say it doesn't. Let's talk about. And, and I mean, I don't dislike the part, but like, uh, it, it feels like it could have been done to better effect. Yeah, let let's talk about the actual plot for a second. Uh, and if you're a a prior to right now Sally Face player, you probably know. There's a moment that we're probably going to have to spend a minute on. Mm -hmm. Um, But the the cult part is sort of like the end game narrative of this. Mm -hmm. Because what it starts as is this idea of... And I'm going to miss some of the parts of this plot because there are a lot of moving pieces. But sort of a like haunting narrative about the uh, apartment building that Sal has moved into... Um, what we know about Sal at this point in the game, and potentially for the whole game, is that his mother was killed, uh, and it also disfigured him, mm-hmm. and he and his dad have moved 
to start like a new life in Addison Apartments. Uh, and you don't get too much additional backstory about Sal. I feel like while the game centers on him, it's really more about the place and the people who live there. Mm-hmm. Um, so d- just you okay, just gonna have to settle with that for now. Mm-hmm. Um, because the the first thing is like a uh, is is very Larry centric because he thinks that a curse has been placed on him. And so the first couple of chapters are about you finding these ghosts. There's like a murder mystery in the first chapter that I'm just glazing over at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the characters involved become a part later, but it is like it is like the kickoff, like where it's like, oh, bring them in with this murder mystery and then yeah. later they'll do the the puzzle with the lunch lady. Yeah, and there's like a demon yeah. in the apartment building that you have to like exercise. <laughs> Using like just some straight up Ghostbusters tech as mm-hmm. well. Uh, which is great, and I loved it. Like from a, a everything about the game perspective, I was like, "This is cool for this game because it is like the kid narrative that you like, you love yeah. to see." Uh, but then you you get into the the second and third chapters, and it's like this is where the sort of cult stuff comes in because yeah, yeah. you had the the conspiracy about the the baloney it being served at the school, mm-hmm. and you investigate that. And you find out that the lunch lady is part of the cults, and that's how you find out about it. And also the bologna is human meat? Uh, they speculate that the lunch lady is cutting human meat into the bologna meat. Uh, and I assume that it's true. It seems like it is in the game. Yeah, because uh, yeah, you find like the freezer with all like just the flesh in it. Right. And I think it's one of the more affecting lines in the game, as far as like being disturbing, is like one of the characters is like there's no bones like it's it's all meat like there's something about that that's really gross yeah and it's like them emphasizing like oh this is like they separated it yeah. all and like just put the meat in here yeah no it's super good i yeah. really like that scene a lot and it harks <laughs> back a bit to uh the scene in harvester when you find your dad tied uh, up yep 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 it just has because the, there is we neglected to mention a dude like in a hospital bed dying but being kept alive perpetually um who you pull the plug on Mm -hmm. and yeah it's like it has all of the little tropes and stuff that like are are cool and good Mm -hmm. in that moment uh it is preceded with a pretty like obtuse puzzle about setting clock hands oh yeah uh and talking to the ghost of a goat but ghost goat ghost goat uh (laughs) But yeah, and and that's sort of uh, where we go from there. You, you eventually discover that the uh, the super of the apartment, Mister Addison, who's like the son of the people who bought it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's like a bit of a backstory. Is like the chosen vessel for this eldritch abomination. Mm-hmm. He sells you tea. He does sell you tea <laughs> for fifty cents. <laughs> And it is it, this is where it goes like very off the deep end and very Lovecraft, mm-hmm. as you have the group of cultists trying to summon something to bring about the end of the world, and you are on a mission to stop them. Mm-hmm. So you fight this big giant flesh monster, and at the end of the fight, he's like, uh, "Now you can't stop." The everyone in this apartment building has been cursed. Yeah, like after you beat him, you talk to his child self, mm-hmm. and yeah, he's like, "It's too late for everybody. Like the building has been cursed so long. 
uh, everyone here is just doomed. Um, and you then do this part where you, you, you could swap between like Larry and Sal. Larry is dead at this point. Yeah. Um, so you can see like in the ghost world, all the people are in fact covered by like this black ooze so that you know that they are in fact corrupted. Also did the ghost world real world thing better than the medium. (laughs) That's probably not true. Just wanted to make a cheap shot. (laughs) Uh, But continue. Well, no, we're getting to that part. Yeah. Cause once you do this and you realize that like, Oh, maybe actually for real though, we can't save everybody. The game's decision at this point is to have you unavoidably, like, you don't have choice in this particular matter. Mm-hmm. Just go kill every character in the whole game. Yeah, and I think the, the thing, at least to me, that kind of pushes it over the edge is that one of the people you kill is like a three-year-old. Yeah. Soda. Soda, the little baby. Chug's daughter. Uh-huh. <laughs> Chug and Maple. Maple, yeah, I forgot what... Uh... Uh, but yeah it does it does set it up with the black ooze like you do Mm -hmm. see that everyone is corrupted and everyone in the part when you interact with them in the real world does act kind of weird or like they're like very um what's the word like stagnant or you know i don't know what the word is either but But yeah that's a good enough one Mm -hmm. um and then afterwards um you don't kill maple because she's not there right and when you flash forward to Ash going around the apartment, you see that she's like turned into like a horrible monster and is being kept like in a cage um, under the stairs. So like, like that was the consequence to like, if you didn't kill them, they would have turned into monsters. Right. Basically. So like it does set it up a little and it does justify it, but it does feel like it's a little much. Yeah. <laughs> Because you kill your parents, and yep. you kill a child. It's very weird. Yeah, it, it's a lot of... Uh, or your dad and your stepmom. Yeah. Oh, yeah, because in the... And we're, like, once again, like, this is a game that has a narrative that is fairly interesting, and I think at the end of this we're probably going to come across pretty positive on it. Um, so I don't want to go over, like, every detail of the, the entire game, but, like, there is this whole meta-narrative leading up to this point where... At first, you see Sally in, uh, like, meetings with his psychiatrist, and then we... Yeah, like the frame story. Yeah, we learn later that it's, like, a court-ordered psychiatry thing, and he's on trial for this crime of killing a bunch of people, which is a crime, as it turns mm-hmm. out. Uh, <laughs> and so, you, you then get to the point where you're actually committing the murder, uh, which they wisely don't tell you about prior to it and i think that the shock of the scene is good i think it does a good job of making you like it puts you in that mindset where you're like they're not gonna actually make me do this but and then they do and i think that that is sort of worth it but i don't really know how earned this sequence is yeah like it's i think one of its failings is like in the moment you're kind of like, do I really need to do this? You, you know, like it doesn't feel like the yeah, like the urgency or the feeling of I have to mm-hmm. isn't quite there. And yeah. maybe they wanted that. I don't know. Yeah, like to make the the player more but, uncomfortable. Yeah, like they wanted you to be like, what the fuck? Like I don't want to inter- I don't I don't want to do this. Am I able to avoid it? And then you can't. Maybe they were going for that. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like. 
Because I think in the end, I, I went through a, a phase of, of this mm-hmm. where we first played it, and I was like, I'm kind of for this, like, as a weird sort of edgy thing to do after the game starts edgy and then like weans you off of it mm-hmm. to then hit you back with it again and then i kind of fell into the this is sort of unearned camp and now i'm i'm wavering but a little bit more positive on it uh i feel like there's a spectrum and at one end of the spectrum is a new grounds game like a flash game where you put like a baby in a blender you or just, something. You just murder a bunch of people. Yeah, for like no reason. It's just for the spectacle of it. And then on the other side is like some kind of like black and white French art film. And this like I think tastefully falls closer to the middle of being like it is edgy in a Newgrounds kind of way, but it isn't purely there for. If it was just there for shack value, they would have put it sooner than five hours into the game. It sounded like you said shack value. <laughs> well, I'm not if, accusing if Shaquille O'Neal of doing anything. If this was a more uh, video-focused podcast, I would put a picture of Shaq on the screen right now. Good. Um, but that's not going to happen. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, but no, I feel like it works for the narrative. It's just the execution mm-hmm. isn't as strong. It does feel a little edgy. Yeah. But yeah, then you get fucking killed. Yeah, uh, you, uh, you you do a whole part where you play as Ash, and she's um, going around trying to get proof. She goes to the treehouse to visit Larry's ghost and gets a picture of him uh, to show, but she's on not there in time, and you you get uh, electric chaired. Yeah, you sure do. Uh, yeah, and then like the rest of the game sort of follows that that cult narrative and. If I read the the the, uh, the little pages, the lore mm. more thoroughly, I might have more of a nuanced take on it. But there's a lot of text at the end of this game that feels like flavor more than it does like necessary to the plot. There reading. are a few big text dumps. Um, <laughs> part of the backstory is that like Larry's dad was an alien that came to Earth, and like there's a whole big explanation of that. That's like a whole like short book <laughs> that you have to read like notes from him uh yeah there's a lot in there yeah yeah there's so and much there's going like on. the secret tapes as well <laughs> of like who is that woman in the tapes it is it's like a this is like the video game version of the second season of american horror story oh yeah there's just a bajillion <laughs> things happening yeah it's like they've drawn several different sources of inspiration and ended up with like ghosts, demons, aliens, cults, cults, and like eldritch gods, mm-hmm. and they mashed it all together. And they they don't mix well. They're just things that lay on top of each other. So it's great in one where it's just ghosts, and two where it's ghosts and demons, and three where it's a little bit of cult, a taste of cult, mm-hmm. conspiracy. Yeah. It's like the solving a mystery and then the conclusion to the mystery is it was a cult yes (laughs) but then at the end of the game it feels like in order to get to that cult mystery which is what the action on screen is actually happening uh you have to dig through the layers of ghosts and goblins Mm -hmm. to get there and it's it gets really buried and really messy yeah um we brought up the cat lady and um, I think one thing it does that's really smart 
is that it is also starts out as like a very character focused, um, you know, like psychological kind of narrative. And it has actual like human antagonists and like supernatural things going on, but they're all like representative of like the main character confronting things about herself and like her issues. Like it's stronger. The themes are stronger. Like the opposing forces have something to do with her conflict. Right. This game doesn't have that as much. Um, like something like a cult is a lot more general and nebulous and not like a, as representative as like a single villain that represents like identity or depression or right. whatever this game might be dealing with. Yeah. And I mentioned earlier and it was basically to set up for this exact like moment in the conversation oh, where yeah. it, we don't get to know much about Sal. Like we don't know his we don't really know his backstory. We don't, as far as I remember, find out what actually happened to his mom or his face. Yeah, I was, um, we played this a while ago. Yeah, it's been a minute. I rewatched uh, this week a, a dub mm-hmm. of the game, and they didn't have the final chapter done. So I just kind of uh, scrubbed through it this morning. And there are some sections that show uh, Sal and his dad like in a car and things and like i don't know if it's implying like a car accident or um it so it might be in there and we just forgot so that's on us if we if it's in there true but the point i think still stands and once again any face fans out there please correct me if i'm incorrect uh but the the story isn't really about sal and his personal journey the other like hey arnold comparison is like he's kind of like an arnold where the game is about the way he affects people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and so you're seeing a lot of the other stuff. So you don't get that metaphor in the way that the cat lady provided. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or that maybe it's not a metaphor. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It it feels like everything is sort of happening around you. uh, And that gives it... Well, I like that. It gives the the apartment itself sort of like a way to become a character. Mm -hmm. It... Does it makes everything feel more disparate and like they aren't coalescing around a single theme? Yeah, uh, the story is an is one linear thing that you can make sense of, but all of the themes are kind of spread out and they apply to different elements of it, so it doesn't feel as whole, I guess. Yeah, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but uh, it just makes the story a little bit harder to follow. Yep. Do we have face thoughts? Uh, the easiest one we've had in a while. It really is. Uh, <laughs> my face thoughts are, I like this game like, kind of a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we yeah, As I we was saying, we started playing it, and it seemed kind of off-putting at first. But it really does have that like solo indie dev charm to it. Um, it's part of the reason why, like, I love Dujana so much, and a more mainstream example is I think it's one of the reasons Undertale got so popular. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you can just you can feel a lot of that. Like, I compared it to the um, the stick person uh, intro to the third chapter. It's like it really does feel like relatable in that way, where it just seems like somebody coming up with a bunch of cool ideas and then actually like making a game out of it. There's like something that's kind of like inspiring about that. 
Um, and that makes me kind of connect to smaller indie games. And uh, yeah, like I, I think the art's very good. It creates like a very distinct atmosphere and look. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's its biggest strength. Like you do get like attached to the game a bit. Um, it does fall down though in some of its indie trappings. Like you could tell like the budget was low at the beginning. And um, yeah, like the music, there isn't a ton of it. But I did kind of find myself, like, liking it a lot <laughs> by the end. Like, there's only a couple of tracks, but it's, like, I think composed pretty smart that it doesn't get old. Mm-hmm. Like, it is, like, a nice backing track. Um, but... I do really hate that the main menu music sure, of it. Sure. it. It's got a strange vibe to it to me. Yeah, like, nothing in the game. Like, you were kind of saying earlier, there's a lot of, like, the aesthetics that feel like they don't quite look good or they don't quite look right. And yeah, like nothing in the game is perfect, but that is part of like what gives it its charm. Um kind of uh, it's kind of like a theme of the game, right? Like don't don't judge people by their covers, you know, something that might not look the prettiest might have a lot of value. So Fully I think the game itself does kind of embody that. Um so yeah, like I I think if you're into um, weird like indie point and click adventures like we are. This is like a really uh, interesting one. I'd compare it maybe to something like Fran Bow or something in that camp. Uh, so yeah, this definitely fit into our taste pretty well, and I did enjoy it. And it was a nice surprise. I like playing a game I've never heard of before and it being good. Like I like a nice pleasant surprise like this. Yeah, I think that you hit on my mom. No, you hit... <laughs> I think I think that you hit. <laughs> I think that you hit on the like the main theme of how I wanted to sort of wrap up right there at the end, where this is one of those games that like you don't get this feeling a lot these days, or at least we haven't in a while, uh, where you can really find something entirely out of nowhere. Uh, I don't know how the person who told me about this found out about the game. Uh, Based on my general web searches around the game, it seems like a game that might kind of be popular with, like, some younger people Mm. at this point. It does seem to have, like, a cult following. Yeah. Appropriately. Of course. (laughs) Uh, But it's not something that came across our radar naturally, you know, like... It isn't something that we probably would have found or, for that matter, actually picked up if it wasn't specifically recommended. And, man, is it fucking a fresh experience when you do get that, where you find a game that isn't, that's off the beaten path and really, like, throws you for a loop. Uh, so, yeah, the the weird off-putting nature of the beginning and also the fact that if you push through it, there's, like even more off-putting shit beyond it uh but like you like it now it it really is like the game has a real personality uh and a real sense of of what it is and and what it wants to be and i appreciate that about it i think yeah we mentioned its stumblings and a lot of it has to do with being a solo dev and working with a non-unlimited budget on something that is more ambitious than you think really um I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm very positive on it, and I think that uh, if you take 
what we generally say seriously, I think that you have an idea of what kind of adventure games we like to play. And this definitely falls into that, that bucket. Thank you for listening to No Clip Pocket this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about Carrion uh, as our final episode of the Halloween season. Uh, we're going from a very funny horror game to a very heartfelt, sweet horror game to the reverse horror game <laughs> where you play the monster. Um, we've taken an odd trajectory <laughs> for pockets. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, have, have, I've heard good things about this. I've played a little bit of it. Uh, and it seemed like, you know, an interesting blobby time. Mm-hmm. Until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. There you can find links to our discord our twitter our email address uh or to the youtube where you can watch all of our old content including our episodes on the cat lady or grim fandango both of which are things i mentioned kentucky route zero might appeal to you if you like weird shit in detention yep oh yeah which has this very similar mechanical structure to this game um Use Super Gear Boy to <laughs> reveal to yourself the subscribe button. Learn the eldritch runes that will ring that bell. Yeah, it will resonate with that bell. Uh, goodbye. Good night <laughs> Dis- and good luck. Discover the hidden cult that's hidden down in the comments section. <laughs> Fall down a laundry chute into the <laughs> comments section. Ooh, have up? a potentially ill-advised combat break in your uh, adventure game, like Harvester. Get Down that har- Get that Harvester blade.